praise. Brother Hargrave, it's good to have you tonight. And uh, he's a missionary of Rock of Ages, working with young people. We appreciate him and his family. And honored that he's here tonight. I would ask if you would open your Bible to the book of Genesis. We're going to finish up, Lord willing, our message tonight. Thankful for the Word of God, aren't you? And uh, we'll begin reading in Genesis chapter 41, verse number 1. And it came to pass at the end of two full years that Pharaoh dreamed, and behold, he stood by the river. Now, you know the dream. I read it this morning. He had two dreams, actually. Two very skinny cows, two fat cows came up out of the river. And the two skinny cows ate the fat cows. And then, here's corn. And uh, there was real good looking corn. And then there was some really bad looking corn. And the bad looking corn ate up the good corn. Now this is a dream that troubled Pharaoh. And uh, so we've talked about this morning... After we went off, and I'm going to go back over this a little bit, you know the story of Joseph. But all of these events that took place in Joseph's life really just seems unimaginable. Uh, it's something that, you know, you know, you'd read in a book, you'd read in a fairy tale. I even said this morning, you'd see it on days of our lives kind of stuff. I mean, there's more drama involved in this. And really, if you didn't, if you didn't read it out of the Word of God, you'd have to wonder, is all of this really true? Did it happen just like it did? It happened just like it did. Yeah. And God had His hand in all of it. I don't understand it all. You know, we could sit here and debate. By the way, people are going to debate thoughts about things, but I want you to know something. God is omniscient. God is all-knowing. We believe in the providence of God. I don't understand all of the providence of God, but I believe in the providence of God. I believe Romans 8.28 is true. <clears throat> Doesn't mean that all things are good, but God can work all things together for good. He has a purpose. He has a plan. But if you look at Joseph's life, you look like, to be honest with you, looks like he had a dud. Looks like if I was Joseph, I'd want to redo Some might want to debate, well, how much did God have to do with it? Well, he created him. And we know that God doesn't tempt by sin. We know that's what the Bible says. But I do believe this. I think he uses Satan like a little messenger boy from time to time. We know he did in the life of Job. But nonetheless, no matter what, if you're, if you're Joseph, you're questioning a lot of things. Your brothers have sold you into slavery. Well, first they wanted to kill you. And by the way, Joseph heard them talking in the pit. I'm sure he heard them. I know that he, he knew that his brothers didn't throw him in the pit. They were going to play hide and seek and just forget him there. They, he knew there was some real evil going on with his brothers. He had been rejected. And then he was sold into slavery. He was put in a Potiphar's house. To be a servant. There the wife lied upon him. He gets cast into prison. In prison he interprets a dream. And two full years later he's left there still 
rotting in jail. But as he's rotting in jail, God is still using him because God gave him leadership even in jail. You've noticed everything about Joseph. Everywhere he went, he led. So we talked about this this morning. Why is the events of Joseph's life so important? And we talked about God's working on the other side. Because Pharaoh was the most powerful man of the then known world. And for God to speak to him in a dream to stir his heart was the beginning of the movement of the thing that took place to get Joseph out of the prison into the palace. So as David was sitting there in jail wondering, God, what's going on in my life? I don't understand all of this. My brothers have sold me. I went into Potiphar's house. I did everything right by him. I was lied about. I was put in prison. Now I'm here. The butlers forgot me. And he was praying. And no doubt God was working on his heart on his end. But what he was thinking is, is God working on the other end? And so that's been the message. God works on the other end. And we find that out by this passage because Pharaoh was on the other end. Pharaoh was really the only man in this whole situation that could get Joseph out of jail. And God just so happened send him a dream to stir his heart to speak to him. So God was working on the other end. So I talked to you about why does God work on the other end? Number one, we know that he deserves to be honored. God should get honor. He should get glory. That's why he works on the other end. He wasn't just doing this to get Joseph out of jail. He was doing this for God to get honor, for him to get honor. If this young man Joseph would have been born in the Egyptian household, it would not have been a miracle for him to become the second best, highest powerful man up to Pharaoh if he was already an Egyptian. But this is a man that was a Jewish boy. He had been lied about. He was in prison of all people. God wanted to get honor and glory out of Joseph's life. So we see through this that God wants to get honor. He deserves the honor. But then number two, I said to you this morning, God wants to speak to people. So we know that he works on the other end because again, I know when he speaks to me, you know when he speaks to you. But what is the factor there, the, the common denominator that's all unknowable for us is if who we're praying for is God speaking to them. The ones we're concerned about are, is God, and by the way, that's why many times we quit. That's many times why we quit praying. That's many times why we do give up because we think, well, I know God worked in my life, but I don't know if he's working on that person that I'm so concerned about. This event gives us courage to let us know, yes, God works on the other end. He speaks to people even when we don't know he's doing it. He sat there two whole years. Wondering, God, are you there? Are you there? He was honoring the Lord. And obviously he was honoring the Lord. Because the Bible said that all the prisoners realized that he was a different kind of man. They put him in charge of so many things, even in the affairs of the prison. Yet, we see in this event, this story, that God speaks to people. We know that God speaks through his spirit. We talked about that this morning. God speaks through other Christians. God speaks through circumstances of life. I said to you this morning, and Miss Lindsay said, Pastor, you never finished that quote. I got so excited, 
And I said, I don't like the quote. I forgot to quote the quote. So y'all want the quote? I said that our disappointments, and I don't like it. I'm not going to get off on another rabbit trail because I stopped right there this morning. Our disappointments are God's divine appointments. Where do we really look for Him? Where do we really seek for Him? When do we really try to get help? When we're in trouble. See, we've done all these years, we try to keep our children out of trouble. We try to make them have such a blessed life. And, and by the way, they shouldn't worry about certain things. But I'm going to tell you something right now. Children's faith even need to be increased. Joseph's faith was increased as a young man. That's why when I think about, and I know everybody's different on this. I know everybody's different, and I'm not being dogmatic and ugly about it. But look, death is just as much a part of life as birth is. And so that is a great opportunity to teach our children the value of life. Faith has to be strengthened. Even children's lives, their faith has to be strengthened. And if they're always depending upon mom and dad, by the way, they should depend upon mom and dad for all of their needs. But there are times that mom and dad realize they can't provide every need. And so they're relying upon the Lord. And what we're doing is we're teaching our children. There's times you, you there's all every time you need to depend upon the Lord. But God works through circumstances, the dark nights, the storms. Look through my life. There's been things that's happened in the past. If someone would have asked me, would have you chose them to happen that way? I would have looked at you and said no at the moment. But standing here today, I will say I'm glad they happened. Because that's where God became real to me. The circumstances of life. God speaks to us. Pharaoh had a dream. And I still believe, some of you might disagree with me. But I still think God uses dreams. I do. Now, I'm going to just say this. If y'all tell me tomorrow morning that you had a dream and you've seen a 10 foot 6 Jesus Christ and you want to start a new religion based on that, I'm going to say you ate too much pizza. Because yeah. I'm going to promise you this. If you have a dream, it's not going to contradict His Word. The dreams that God used in Pharaoh's life did not contradict his word. It was a dream of future. Something that was going to happen that Pharaoh needed to know. But again, the reason he spoke to Pharaoh through this dream is God wanted great honor and glory. So God speaks through circumstances. Look, this is a very simple dream. The two dreams that he dreamed were very simple. Two very good healthy cows and two very skinny cows come up out of the river and the skinny cows ate the, 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 the big healthy ones and then the corn came up and the skinny corn ate the good going. But if you had that dream and you were Pharaoh, you probably would have no idea what in the world. You ever dream a dream and say, why in the world did I dream that? But stay with me. God speaks to people. Can you imagine? Imagine this boy. Sold into bondage to Ishmaelites, merchantmen. Carried down to Egypt by these strangers. Had no idea what was going to befall him when he got to Egypt. Had no idea who was going to buy him as a slave. Can you imagine? And then he was doing great and... 
put over the household of Potiphar. Then because of the wife lied, he was put in prison. Then he was loose from prison and he came straight from prison and walked into the palace. I could only imagine. Now think about it. They said they had to shave him. He probably had, he was probably dirty, probably stunk. He was unkept. But could you imagine just walking into the royal court of Pharaoh straight out of prison? Some of you ladies would have an absolute, oh, I didn't get my hair fixed. I mean, walking in to this court, the most powerful man, and not just the powerful man in Egypt, really there's the most powerful man in the world. And he came straight from prison. I think about that because here's what I think about it. It all happened because God used a dream to speak to Pharaoh's heart. And because God spoke to Pharaoh's heart, Joseph's whole life's getting ready to change. Now, I do not think that there's any young man or young woman that has ever lived without a dream. I told you all my dream of yesteryear. My dream as a boy for years, I thought I was going to be the next best wide receiver for the Washington Redskins. My heroes were Art Monk, Gary Clark, and Gary Sanders. I mean, they were my heroes. Downtown Charlie Brown. How many of y'all know I'm talking about? Y'all remember that old wide receiver, Washington Redskins, downtown Charlie Brown? Would you raise your hand? He was my hero. I just like the name. Down, another touchdown by downtown Charlie Brown. Gary Clark came from a little college in Virginia, James Madison. And, man, I, and Art Monk, man, Art Monk was just, he was just always like just cold steel. I mean, just, he always just, he wasn't like one of them flashy guys, but he was a possession receiver. And during the early 90s, man, those three, so in the early, late 80s, early 90s, that was my hero. Those were my dream. I could just see it down my name and lights up there in the big billboard there at uh, JFK Stadium. Uh, all right, now the wide receiver, Mark Brandon. I mean, every young man, every, and by the way, you've all done it. You've dreamed of certain things, haven't you? Everyone understands what it's like to think, to pray, and even believe. And then have a time in your life when all your dreams seem to be gone. That's what happened to Joseph. They died and they're gone. That's what he was thinking in prison. He had dreams. He had desires. But in prison, no doubt, he probably looked over all of those things that he dreamed. And they, he felt like they had died and gone. Now that's sad, ain't it? Y'all like good news? But God was getting about to do something awful wonderful in Joseph's life and those dreams were going to be a reality. All because God works on the other end. Can I say he speaks to people he wants honor, but the last one is 
God speaks to people on the other end because God does what is right at the right time. Get it down. God always does right at the right time. Now y'all stay with me here just a minute. What do we learn from this story that God does what is right at the right time? You know why? Stay with me and imagine with me just a moment. What if that butler, what if that butler would have came straight out of prison? Straight out. Two years before this. I mean, he was so excited. He ran out of that prison and he walked up to Pharaoh. And by the way, let me just say this. That butler was in no place to give good advice to that king. You know why? That same Pharaoh had just put him in prison. Now, I don't know about y'all, but the baker, and and I don't know this. This is just my personal opinion. Do y'all know how it would have been the easiest way to get rid of a despot or to get rid of a king? By the food. Many of the powerful men of yesteryear had cupbearers. What that mean? They drank everything so the king wouldn't get killed. So I just have a sneaky suspicion that the Pharaoh thought maybe there was a coup and the butler and the baker was involved in it. And he obviously thought the baker was more involved in it because the baker died. But he let the butler go free. But I'm just going to say this. I have, a, I have a sneaky suspicion because of where the butler was that he felt so confident just to run into the presence of Pharaoh and say, hey, I want you to know, I just met the wisest man I've ever met. Wouldn't have done a thing. You know what Pharaoh could have said? What's his name? Here's his name. Oh, that's that boy that had trouble in Potiphar's house. We done tried him down there at Potiphar's house. We know what he is. And that probably would have went through one ear and out the other because Pharaoh had no need of Joseph. You know why? God hadn't spoke to him yet. God hadn't troubled him yet. He didn't have a dream yet that he knew was troubling him. So God does what is right at the right time. Some of us say, and by the way, I'm one of them. God, where were you? Well, we were too early. Hey, there's a Hebrew boy down there, Pharaoh. He's the smartest man in the world. I'm telling you right now, you need to find him a job somewhere. Imagine if Pharaoh said, well, we'll give him. We'll give him a job. Even if he listened two years before and said, oh, yeah, we'll give him a job. I'll promise you this. He didn't give him this job. He wouldn't have gave him the job of where he was second in command over all of the empires of the unknown world. He might have gave him a job with some esteem. He might have gave him some a job with something good. But I can tell you right now, he wouldn't have got this job. <laughs> what if the butler would have come out two years earlier and said, Fair, I just feel sorry for this boy down here. We got to do something for this boy. Wouldn't have meant a thing. Why would a Pharaoh would have listened to him? No, it didn't happen that way. You know why it didn't happen that way? Because the timing was right. Y'all know what we struggle with? We don't like God's timing. I don't like God's timing. You know what? Sometimes he's too fast and sometimes he's too slow. And we get frustrated. In them two full years there, I couldn't imagine what Joseph's thinking, but I know how I thought in my times of trouble. 
And by the way, Joseph was just like me. He had, he had worry just like me. He had struggle just like me. He would, he would have been just as lonely as I would have been in that prison. He'd have had the same thoughts, maybe a little different thoughts, but he's human. I want you to know something. His heart was troubled. And I'm sure he was thinking, Lord, where are you? See, God does what is right when it's right to do it. And by the way, I'm not being ugly to you. I'm saying this to me. And, we don't, and he don't need to get our approval for it either. See, here's how. This is why. God worked it out at the perfect time where Pharaoh had a burden. Pharaoh had a dream. And Pharaoh needed someone to help him. He called in all of his wise men and none of them could interpret the dream. Now think with me. Just so happened. The butler was near. He obviously had forgot about Joseph. But God used the dream of Pharaoh and all of the chaos of trying to find somebody else to interpret. And here's what God did at this very moment. He sparked the memory of the butler. At the right time, two full years later. If he would have sparked the memory two years earlier, wouldn't have mattered because Pharaoh didn't have a dream. Pharaoh wasn't struggling. So I want to say to you, it ought to give us great hope, great peace. God does the right thing at the right time. Amen. Joseph said, Pharaoh, let me give you the interpretation of this dream. And he did. Boy, he just spit it right out. He said, it means there are going to be seven years of plenty and there's going to be seven years of famine. He said, that's what it means. Now, this is what's amazing to me. Joseph not only told Pharaoh what was wrong, but he also told him what he needed to do to fix it. Just by interpreting a dream. Pharaoh didn't ask him to tell me how to fix it. I just want to know the interpretation of the dream. But Joseph was so wise that he not only gave him the interpretation of the dream, he told him how and what he needed to do when the famine came. Think of this. He said, you need to find somebody that can administer all of this and take care of all of this and will gather all this food for seven years. Now, y'all stay with me just a second because I'm going to tell y'all right now. Joseph was not looking for a job. He wasn't telling him this, saying, oh, if I show out here and tell him this, he's going to give him this job. No, to his surprise, once Joseph said, hey, I want you to know, you need to get somebody, a capable person, that will become over all of this, and they can gather all of as much food as they can in seven years and store that up and then put somebody that's wise over that that's going to be able to distribute that to last for the seven years that's coming in the next seven years so all the people will not die, and you need someone that is capable of handling that. And I can just imagine in my mind's eye, I can just imagine, Brother Don, that, that Pharaoh just started looking across that room and he's looking at all them wise people and he said, well, none of them can interpret that dream. So he said, all right, old boy. He said, you not only interpreted the dream. He said, I feel like you're capable of doing it. Here's what he said. He said, you're going to do it. And he said, I'm not even going to let you do it. He said, here's what I'm going to tell you. He said, you're going to ride in my chariot. He said, I'm going to drive you all over Egypt and your people are going to know who you are. They need to know who you are. Now, here's a young man that's just been flea bitten in prison. 
probably living with cockroaches, probably living with rats, probably just been to trying to eat whatever he can. If y'all like hospital food, I'm sure that the jail food's not quite as good. And now, from the prison to the palace, and he was simply trying to be faithful to God and tell Pharaoh what was needed to be done. And Pharaoh looked at him and said, there's not one of these men who can handle this kind of job. Since you're the one that God has spoken to, I want you to be it. Here's what another thought as I thought about that. Here's what amazes me. It's amazing what God can do in one minute. Now that's convicting to me because I like stuff to be dragged out. Are y'all with me? Amen. You know, a personal illustration here. Um, and I know this is kind of gruesome, but if any of you catch catfish, you know, um, people have different ways of like dispatching a catfish and like, Killing it humanely. Because them things live forever. You get them out of the water. They can be out of the water forever. You can have them on stringer forever. You bring them to the house and you, you hook them up. And you get ready. And you know people have different ways. So when I was a boy. And I know this is going to be squeamish for some of y'all. But what I was always taught is you always take the knife. And go down in behind the head. In between the head and the neck. And you push that down and you just hold it. Until they do this a little bit and they die. But I've learned that ain't the best way. That's pretty bad because sometimes them things, I mean, they, they, they live forever. The best way is get you, <laughs> hey, if y'all got a squeamish finger, just, just don't. But I'm telling y'all right now, get you something hard like a ball bat or like a big ball peen hammer. And I mean, hang them things up and I mean, crack that thing up behind the head just as hard as you can and they don't hurt. I mean, you kill them instantly. And like if you're a hunter and you want to be an ethical hunter, the last thing you want to do is put a kill shot on them after you've done wounded them and they've run off and they're bleeding. You want them to die. The reason I say all that is because here's what's amazing. Sometimes we think everything has to be gruesome. We think everything has to be drawn out. And I'm the world's worst at it. But it amazes me. God can take care of something in a minute. Just minutes before, Joseph came hastily from the jail, which evidently was connected in some close proximity to the palace because he was there in short order. <laughs> you know what this does, and I need it. I need it. You need it. You know what? Reading a story like this, that kind of helps my faith a little bit. What about y'all? He can work. He's worked on the other end. I'm going to close. Do you know what I've done? And I think you've probably done a lot of it too in your life. I'm going to be honest. And I've learned this even more so in the last few months. I want to say, I think I've spent most of my life trying to get things from God before I was ready to have them. I think all my life I've struggled with wanting to receive certain things before God knew I was ready to receive them. See, there's a process I, um, from time to time, and I'm, it's happened quite often. Uh, someone will come to me, and they might not be married, or they, um, they're looking for a life's mate, or they would like to be, they'd like to have a spouse, and, or they would like to have a girlfriend, or they'd like to have a boyfriend, and I'm not a Cupid. 
I've never tried to be Cupid. I've never been a matchmaker. Never. I've never done it. But many times that person will come into me and they'll want me to give them some great counsel on how to get a woman or a man. And I really don't know what to tell them other than this. Are you ready to be the best spouse or husband or wife that you should be? Because if you're not ready to do that, why would God give you a good one? See, the preparation has to take place in our heart. Why would I think or why would a young man that wants a really good woman if he ain't a really good man? So maybe God's allowing that time period to take place so God can work on him to help him to receive when he's ready. I've thought about this in many occasions. People come to me for counsel and they'll say, I just don't understand what's going on. And someone has hurt them or someone is no longer in their life. And I say, listen, I can't speak to that person I can't change that person and neither can you. But during this time, here's what you, and nobody likes this counsel, including myself. But during this time, you want that changed. You want that person changed. But what needs to take place is you need to let God work in your heart so you'll be prepared for when if that person does change. See, I've always said, I've, I've spent most of my life trying to get things from God before I was really ready to receive them. But see, here's what's perfect. God knows exactly when you need them and when you have them and when you can't have them. And when it's best for you to have them. So I want to just encourage you tonight as I close. We need to be renewed in our faith tonight based on the life of Joseph that we know that God works on the other side. We need to be renewed in our faith that God will always do what is right and he will do it at the right time. He'll do it when it's right to do it. Y'all with me? How many of y'all believe that? Y'all know why I got to preach on that tonight because it don't always feel like it's right. And we all have those feelings. But the time was perfect, the need was great in the land, and God acted and moved exactly when God diligently prepared a man to meet the need. And God raised up him up from a prison to the palace, made him the Pharaoh of Egypt. All of this was accomplished. Why, Pastor Mark? Because God works on the other end. That's why. So I don't know where you're at tonight. I don't know what you're struggling with. I don't know what your other end is. Keep praying, keep hoping, keep working, keep striving. Keep asking God to work on that other end because we know based on this story, God works on the other end. Amen. Let's stand to our feet tonight. I'm going to ask, how many of you? I think Brother Palmer said it great down at the prayer breakfast the other day. Because of stone, the Lord's used that in all of our hearts to... To kind of knit all of us in prayer for stone. So on this end, on this end, we've been praying for a little stone. But here's what's encouraging. God's been working on that end. See? Been working on that end. So whatever it might be in your life that you know that there's work on this end. What about that other end? And so with head bowed and eyes closed tonight, how many of you really believe this has been encouraging to you today? It's been helpful to you. Would you raise your hand? Well, can I ask you a question? Why don't you just come and let God help you with whatever you're dealing with there and just renew your faith again in Him that He's working on the other end. 
as they begin to play. Maybe you'd like to come find a place here. Maybe you'd like to find a place at your pew. Whatever. Why don't you just thank the Lord? Just renew your faith again. Say, Lord, I know that you're going to work on the other end. Hey, two full years is a long time. I mean, that's a long time. That's a long time. But obviously that's what God wanted to have was two years. I'm going to be honest. I think we put too much pressure on time myself. I think sometimes we get in a hurry. I've thought of this. What about a recipe? You ever thought about a recipe? Let's say that we don't cook it long enough. Well, it's going to make a difference how that thing tastes. If you don't cook chicken or something long enough, you could get salmonella. It could make you sick. And so God, timing is perfect. He knows exactly when to pull it. He knows exactly. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your grace. Lord, I do pray that you will speak to all of our hearts tonight. Help us. Lord, we all stand in need of help. We live in a cursed world we live in strange days but lord we do we, we even if our faith is small lord we're still trusting you that you'll work on the other end no doubt now help our unbelief as the disciples said lord we believe but help our unbelief so lord i pray that you'll take this thought work in all of our hearts we ask it in jesus name and all god's people say it God bless you. Great crowd tonight. Good to see all of you here. Lord willing, we'll see you Wednesday night. And uh, what is it? Sunday school meeting tonight, right after church. So all Sunday school teachers and workers, if you'll meet Brother Don right over here in the Crusaders class.